We're back at Jambox Entertainment Studios, where the players play and the ballers ball. Who am I kidding, though? I've been with my girl 20 years, and we're celebrating our 16th anniversary, March 18th. But I do want to say something, fellas. It doesn't take a lot of game to get a girl. It takes a lot of game to keep one and to keep her smiling and to keep her sexually attracted to you for 20 years. So when you have that kind of game, you can fuck with me. But until then, you're just going to have to shh. So I'm here at Jambox, and I have a few special things that are going to be happening today. Number one, Lee, who's the owner, operator, engineer, producer of Jambox Entertainment Studios, I asked him to get mic'd up, and I asked him moving forward to hang with me and to be part of every one of these interviews that we go through because he's a man of many hats. And I have to tell you something, he's got a very deep and sexy voice. Even Billy D. Williams was known to be jealous of him. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but if you remember Coat 45 commercials from back in the day, it was pretty awesome. Lee, say what's up, man. Hey, Danny. Oh, don't be shy. Hey, Danny, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I'm trying to. (laughs) That is beautiful, man. Wow. Yeah, Coat 45. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, listen, so. I do want to get into this. Uh, you know, today's guest uh, came here because I was introduced to this guest from Lee. And the reason why this came up and how this all came to be is last time I was in the studio, I was here with Bess, and I was telling her that the whole purpose of this season is really for my daughters. I want to dedicate the season to them. Um, I wanted them to hear from all females uh, that were successful, that were professional, or in some shape, way, or form have been an inspiration and I want them to hear from role models and the biggest role model I also want them to hear from is my wife unfortunately she's super shy so we're doing everything we can to encourage her to come in here at the end of the season I invited one of my daughters both of my daughters one of them is accepted to come in here and kind of show some support because she plays the biggest role in my girl's life so uh, my wife was having these feelings like you know she didn't have much to offer because you know she feels like she's home Uh, she's a stay-at-home wife so uh, and mother, you know, what possibly can she say? And I, I have so much to say about that. Uh, and I can show her what she brings to the table. But getting back to the point at hand, uh, I told Lee that, you know, I would be in the studio all the time. I just absolutely love being here. Um, it brings me a sense of peace. It brings me happiness. It brings me joy because um, it's a way that I can be authentic with myself, but also on the same note, you know, learn and share other people's stories that are just an inspiration. In addition to the fact that it's just a beautiful thing to communicate with people and to peek in on conversations like this. So um, Lee was overhearing me and Bess talking about it, right, Lee? Absolutely, absolutely. And just to recap a little bit, you know, I just want to say, Danny, it's great to have you back here at the studio, at the stew. You know, and we're going to do it. We're going to have a great season. However, your last season was really amazing. Some amazing guests came in. And if you could just kind of just touch on that quickly. Yeah, I mean, you know, last season was really about interviewing entrepreneurs, people that are in my inner circle, people that I trust, respect, and, you know, people that I actually do business with. So I wanted them to share their stories because I wanted them to share how they went from zero to hero. You know, this is an investment that I make for you. You know, I don't get anything out of this. I don't try to get advertisements. I don't try to get ads. This is just something that I want to do to serve. And so I think it's a really cool way 
to listen to people that have created, you know, a really nice life for themselves. And it's not really about the money that they've made. It's not about the company that they built. If you're really listening to our podcast here is that you really want to understand the person who's speaking. You want to know what their personality is. You want to get an understanding of their heart. You want to get an understanding of their soul. Um, and I think that's what is going to shift in season two. It's really more about the person and less about what they're doing. Uh, because if you really understand who the person is and you really understand why they were able to achieve what they have. And so if you can go out there and be like them and duplicate them and find your own way of doing it, find your own music inside, then you're going to be able to have the same things, if not better. So Lee told me that I had to meet someone very special. I was very specific about what I wanted. And I said that I wanted a female. I said that I wanted someone who was honest, somebody who was comfortable with themselves, somebody who was open, and somebody who was inspirational. And it was like immediately, Lee's like, I have somebody you have to meet. So we end up doing my last podcast with Bess Friedman. I think less than four or five hours after I left the studio, he sets a FaceTime with Liv Hutcherson. And immediately I see her on my phone. I'm looking at her and I'm feeling this incredible energy. Her voice, just the way she was carrying herself, there was an energy, there was a feeling that I felt and it was immediate for me. Uh, and I'm not shy to say that. So. Uh, we talked, and she's a published author of a book called The Show Must Go On. Uh, I told her, and I asked her first if she would be willing to come onto the podcast, which she accepted. And then I asked her if I could take some time to get the book first and read it because I wanted to feel closer to her, and I wanted to you know, understand her and have some perspective before I sat down with her because she isn't someone that I know personally. This is actually our first conversation. So she's here now. I'm looking at her. I'm literally sitting in front of an angel. She's so beautiful. She has the warmest eyes. Uh, she's wearing really beautiful hoop earrings. I love hoop earrings. <laughs> and uh, there's something really happy about her. But I have to say, when I look at you and I look into your eyes, my intuition tells me that you know something that most people don't know. And I feel like there's so much inside of you that you can share to get people on the level that you're on right now. And so I want to like dig into that and I want to dig into your writing a little bit and, uh, and just see where it goes from there. So Liv, welcome to the Nasty Podcast. What's good? <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, um, I feel flattered and exposed all at the same time. <laughs> That was quite an intro. I'm so happy and grateful to be here. Um, I think you hit it on the head. I, I definitely have a lot inside uh, to share. I have, um, I'm 32 years old and I feel like I have the experience of someone who's 132. I've lived a lot of lives um, in a very short time. Um, and yet I still have joy, not happiness because happiness is fleeting. I have a genuine joy for life. Um, first, because I feel like I know who the source is. And secondly, because there is such a deep gratitude every single morning that I wake up and, and I know that life is so fragile. And so when I open my eyes it's like 
there there is joy every morning and and I understand that like life is precious so the the smile is real but um the the look in the eyes is also like yeah I I I know what it's taken to get to this point so yes yeah I mean I could see that and I can feel that and I remember, you know, I, I went through your book, you know, relatively quickly, and I probably read it in two days. I enjoyed every minute of it. I enjoyed um, that you wrote it with your own flavor, with your own personality. Um, it was very authentic, I thought. Thank you. I thought also when I was reading it, I was thinking to myself, here's someone who has been living with so much pain and is putting on a brave front, but also on the same note, has found this deep uh, sense of gratitude and appreciation. But also on the same note, I felt like there was part of you that was saying, if given another chance, I would do things differently. And I would do things right. And uh, I don't want to base the whole all your poems on that because there was a lot of poetry that talked about happiness, that talked about love, that talked about desire, that talked about um, letdowns, that talked about support, lack of, Mm -hmm. the struggle with um, being patient, uh, the struggle with not knowing what direction you're going in, and also this deep sense of belief, almost as if it's an obsession that you knew that everything was gonna be fine. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, for me, that was just absolutely such a beautiful thing, you know, because we go through life and we focus on the wrong shit. You know, we're always, we're worried about how do I um, take care of my rent? How do I take care of the mortgage? How do I take care of the health insurance? How am I gonna cover my kid's camp? Um, How am I gonna get a parking spot after hockey practice? Mm -hmm. I don't have a parking lot, you know, like just just really dumb, insignificant things. And I think when you know, we haven't gotten into like what you've gone through, but you know, just so you guys, you listeners, the audience know, um, Liv is a published author, a poet, a dancer. Um, she used to be, is this true that you were a 49, yeah. 49er, San Francisco 49ers cheerleader? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she looks it too. <laughs> um, Mm-hmm. Motivational speaker, I think, um, an incredible listener. Um, you know, you've been through two battles of cancer, from my understanding, that you've gone through. You're on your third now. Yeah. And also some domestic violence. issues, yeah. violence. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about that more than anything. Yeah. And uh, sobriety, right? Um, with a family member. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about here, a lot of things that are important. Um, I remember one time, this is a couple years back, I don't wanna talk too much, I really wanna do some listening, but I just wanna set this up right. Um, My nose was running, one nostril, it wouldn't stop. It Mm -hmm. was like water coming out of my nose for for days, which turned into weeks. And then finally I was like, screw it, I'm gonna go to the doctor. My wife is sitting there like Googling shit. She's like, no, you, you have to go to the doctor this is serious, and I was just like, relax, relax. So finally got to the point where it started affecting my work, I'd wake up in puddles, like in the morning. So I go to the doctor, and initially they give me like, 
you know, they tell me it's allergies, which I, I've never had allergies, and they give me this like antibiotic nasal spray to put in my nose, mm -hmm. and it kind of worked for like a couple of days, but then it started pouring out again. Right. Long story short, I end up going to the doctor, and it turns out that I have a leak from my membrane coming out of my nose, oh my gosh. and it was incredibly serious. So I had to, I was never in the hospital, never had a surgery, I had to go in, they had to lay me down, lay me out, they had to go through my nose, identify the hole, mm -hmm. take fat from my belly button, plug it in, and then put me in ICU for five days with like a needle in my spine. Oh my gosh. Now I remember, this is nowhere near anything in any way which you've gone through in your life, but I just remember when I was laying there, I was thinking how much I love my wife. I was thinking how much I love my kids. I was thinking of you know, bad decisions that I've made with partying, you know, taking it to a moderation, not, you know, being excessive. I wasn't excessive, but you know what I'm saying? Like to mm -hmm. a point where like everything's good in moderation in my opinion. Right. Um, and so all of these thoughts were swirling around my head. You know, you turn, you know, some people believe in God, some people believe in the universe, Buddha, Krishna, whatever you believe in, right. you know? And I turned, you know, to my power and, and uh, the conversations were like, I'm gonna do things differently if I get you know, through this and right. everything works out for the best. And over the last couple of years, for more or less, it, that has happened for me, but also you know, I have my setbacks and get into old bad habits sometimes. So I imagine, uh, I'm trying not to get emotional here because um, I can't imagine the type of pain you were going through with, um, with the chemo and then on top of it, like not knowing if you were gonna be okay, and then having to be patient with not knowing that, and then also having to be patient with, you know, having a deeper belief and, and believing in God and believing that things were gonna work out for you, knowing that you were healthy before you were healthy to get you to that place. I mean, patience has always been my biggest uh, downfall. This yeah. is something that I work on 24 seven. So how do you get through those moments? <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good question. I I can relate to you. Patience is not my <laughs> my strong point either. Um I feel like it's something I've been cultivating over the years and I it's something that I have had to learn one day at a time and it's something that I'm still working on. Um I don't think it's something that you know, in my case, like, it's not something that I would ever choose for myself. Um, and I don't think there's like a, a perfect cookie cut cutter answer, like, and I don't think you ever arrive, right? It's just like this, this was what I was given. And I just remember having this moment over and over again, where it's like, you can either roll over and self pity and die or you can fight, you know, and I've had to choose and I've had to continue to choose to kind of like fight the good fight. And that sounds so cliche, but that's really what it is. It's, it's choosing in your mind because it's a mental battle more than anything. Like I was just having a conversation with somebody on the phone last night and they said, what, what is the hardest part of this? What is the hardest part of this journey for you? And I said, the mental battle. It's not the physical. Like, you can do whatever you want to my body. Like, you need to 
plug a, an IV or a drain or a needle or this or that, like I can take that. That's not an issue. I'm a professional dancer. Like I've been getting my body beat up my entire life. That's not an issue. It's the mental endurance of like to wake up and go to the hospital four days a week for the last six and a half years. And I'm always the youngest patient and people are on oxygen tanks and people are bald. And there have been so many times where the person in the curtain next to me is not there the next day. That's hard. That's hard where I have to say, why did I make it? And they didn't. But in the same breath, it's also a deep moment of gratitude to just say thank you. And there are certain things that we're not gonna know on this side of eternity. And that's okay too. And you just have to count the blessings along the way and and take it moment by moment by moment by moment and not always try to figure out everything at once. Like I would say the biggest thing that I have learned throughout this entire journey is to just be present because when I live in my past, I'm in depression. And when I live in my future, I'm in anxiety. But when I can just come back to right now, I'm really, really, really okay. And that's where I wanna be. Like, that's where I land every day. How do you dig deep and deeper when you're losing the mental battle? For me, um, it's really like, three simple ways that I do it. Um, I read my Bible. Um, I play a lot of worship music in my room, like with the windows open, hands up, singing, looking crazy, dancing. My neighbors think I am like ridiculous because I will just be singing and dancing in my room on my knees crying. Um, Or if If going vertical doesn't work for me, I will reach out and I will call somebody. I'll I'll go and lay in my mom's bed and have her stroke my hair. I'll call my best friend and I'll ask them to pray with me. Um, But I always try to go to God first because a lot of times our friends and our family, they're well-intended, but... I feel like there's no one who knows me better than the one who created me. Mm -hmm. And when I go and I get in his presence, he's the only one who can calm me down. He's the only one who can comfort you, comfort me. You know, it's funny, uh, years ago, you know, you come across people, not often, like my circle of people Mm -hmm. they don't really talk about god they don't really talk about religion they don't really talk about prayer they don't talk about having a bible it's not ever a discussion really Mm -hmm. and i remember years ago i used to think like someone you know approaching me and speaking to me about god or speaking to me about christ or speaking to me about you know their deep beliefs i honestly brush those people away and I was just like damn I didn't know like this person was one of those I actually thought like that right. you know and you get older uh, you understand people you know live different experiences I mean the truth is we're all on the same trip we're just carrying different baggage right so really who the fuck am I to judge someone who has found this like deep beautiful love for themselves that there's a power there's an energy there's a love over them that's taking care of them mm-hmm. And so 
I, in the past, was very like unattracted to talking to people like that because right. obviously the problem was with me. I was being judgmental and I wasn't um, being compassionate and I wasn't trying to listen and I wasn't trying to understand why that person felt that way or how that person you know, got to that path or how lucky that person was to be able to, you know, find God for themselves and, you know, found that comforting feeling that you found. Have you ever like dealt with any of that? Like people that were like kind of turned off by this deep faith that you have? I mean, I understand why you yeah. have it today now. Right. Um, well, I was, to be honest with you, I was turned off by it. I was, I was exactly like you for 13 years. So just quick backstory, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, in the deep south. Hold on, you're from ATL? I'm from ATL. Right, I have to make an interruption here, so <laughs> shout out to my baby cousins, like my little sisters, Jasmine, Jackie, and Jenny. I love you, baby girls. I know I don't call, I know I don't text, I know I'm not always around, but I love you, baby girls. Sorry about that. Yes, it's okay. Like, if, if I go down there for a week, the accent will come back. But I've been here for a long I kinda time. I kind of hear it a little bit. So, There's a little bit there. A little bit, baby girl. A <laughs> little bit, baby girl, darling. <laughs> so, like, there's no way you can grow up in the South and not be Christian. Like, yeah. it just, it's in your DNA. And long story short, I grew up in the South. I had it, like, shoved down my throat so hard. And I had a really bad experience when I was like 13, and it rubbed me so the wrong way. What was the experience? You can't say that. What's the experience? I went to basically when you're 13 and you go to church, you have to go to something called confirmation. Mm -hmm. And these like three church girls were so mean to me. They pulled a like you can't sit with us type of situation, and. They were just so mean. They were like, we don't like your dress. You can't sit with us. We call those kind of girls here at Jambox Entertainment Studio petty bitches. Okay, petty bitches. Okay. Exactly. And I went home and I cried for like a week. I told my mom, I was like, if that's how people at church act, like I don't want to be around those church people. And I did not go back to church for 13 years. And I'll never forget, I was like talking to this African woman and she said to me, she goes, do, do not judge God by a man because God is not a man at all. And I remember she said that to me when I was 26 and I broke down crying because it pierced my heart. And I thought, I have been judging God by people and God is not a person, God is God. And fast forward, I get diagnosed at 26. I had been dancing for Madonna and J-Lo, and I was in the prime of my career. By the way, very hot women you just dropped there. Yes, okay. very hot women. I was in the prime of my career. Everything was going up and up and up, and I didn't have time for anyone or anything except, you know, dancing and partying and going out. And next thing I know, I'm in a hospital bed and I had a 15-hour surgery and I couldn't even lift my arms to brush my teeth. And my mother had a pastor come in to pray over me and I was so mad at her. I was so angry. I was just like, Mom, how dare you? I'm in this vulnerable position and you got this weird pastor guy coming in to pray over me. And I just remember he asked me, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? 
And he goes, if you want to lift your arms, except I couldn't lift my arms. And he goes, just nod your head if you want to. And I, I remember having this thought, like, I have nothing to lose. Like, like what, what do I have to lose? And I just bowed my head. And for I don't know why. To this day, I don't know why. I just, my whole body got hot and I just started crying. And I felt so vulnerable and I felt so broken and I felt so helpless. I was just, I was at the end of myself yeah. because this whole fairy tale life that I had kind of built for myself was shattered. Or your fairy tale life was just beginning. Exactly. Wow. That's a crazy story. Yeah. That's legit. <laughs> That's legit. All right. So let's pivot. Okay. Uh, you talked a lot about heartbreak in your poetry. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, <laughs> who the fuck would hurt this girl? I mean, honestly, like I was I was I was reading and I'm like, who would be dumb enough to fuck that up? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So do you have someone serious in your life now? No. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. <laughs> if you're not intimidated by a beautiful woman, who is very smart, very bright, very intelligent, and also believes in God, this is the place to find her. <laughs> All you gotta do is call Jambox Entertainment Studio. <laughs> Lee, Lee's gonna pick up the phone. He's gonna vet you, okay? And, and if you're good to go, you might get lucky and get have a date for yourself. Uh, I, I got the hookup. Maybe a gentleman. Right yeah. Maybe a gentleman. Don't start with dinner. Start with a coffee. Work it to lunch. Maybe a breakfast. Show her that you're not about it to hook up. You're about it to like get to know her, and then work your way to dinner, man. Don't be a punk ass bitch. Anyway. Um, that was an amazing pivot, by the way. Let's yeah. talk yeah. for a second. Well, quick here. question: What what are the qualifications here? <laughs> Just so they know. Right. That's a good plan. What are the qualifications? What are the qualifications? Okay, you have to believe in God. <laughs> uh, you have to love your mother. Um, I like tall. Let's let's be real. I like tall. Um, I like funny. Just so you guys know, she's got a smile on her face. Like, <laughs> it's the biggest fucking smile I've ever seen in my life. Um, I don't know. I don't know. You got to believe in God, love your mom, be tall, have a good smile. And um, you got to like Tupac, all right? So that's Ooh. a good start. <laughs> I know some of those. That's a good start. <laughs> uh, by the way, I bought the book here your book you did. and I meant to bring it into the studio I don't want you to pause I'm gonna run and get it because I wanted to read my favorite poem that you wrote okay. but I also want to discuss some other shit hold on a sec <laughs> all right here we go um, I'm gonna read a poem that I really like it's actually my favorite one um, would you be willing to sign my book before we leave today Absolutely. all right I want you to write it to Danny the great ones are always married love <laughs> live Okay. Will you do that? Yes. All right, cool. So this is my favorite poem. I'm not the best reader in the world, but this one really touched my heart, and I want to read it to you. Do you mind if I read it to you instead of you I've reading it? I've never had anyone read me a poem from right, my well, book. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to read it like it's my job. Okay. It's called Today, Three Exclamation Points. Yes. Roll back to the summer of 2015 before the nightmare started and life was still a dream. Just a ball of sunshine out there on the New York scene. She was looking for herself, for something close, it seemed. I believe the month was June, the air was hot and sticky. 
in that beautiful white suit, she said, you better birthday kiss me, because if you don't tonight, then one day you're going to miss me. And not having me around can be a little risky. Trying to replace me is like wine after whiskey. I love that line. <laughs> she was dancing to her own drum, yet those feet were getting busy. Looking for some light here. Always flirting with a good time. She was sure to make you dizzy. Because a little bombshell sparkled. She had magic inside. And some days I can still see her if I just close my eyes. Because the light was shining through her like the stars up in the sky, she got brighter in the darkness. She got stronger with the tide. Cancer tried to take her peace. You know the devil likes to lie. Real life beauty and the beast. They even cut her open wide. All the chemo made her weak. IVs were dripping by her side. Many nights she lost sleep on her pillow as she cried. From the passenger seat, she learned a lot along the ride. In the middle of the brokenness, she watched two worlds collide. A world full of pain and a world full of love. A world with compassion and a world full of drugs. A world full of friendship from those you can't imagine. A world where there were sisters holding hands in God's mansion. A world full of hospitals, a world full of church, a world full of hugs to take away the hurt. A world still worth living in, or at least one where she tried, because it's never too late to start working on her stride. So she was running again, her feet were picking up the pace. Yeah, she was fighting for gold in her own Olympic race. She said, every day's a gift to be careful not to waste, because my life was almost taken, but I could not be erased. Every ounce of beauty quickly got replaced with baggy shirts and drains hanging down, sorry, hanging down to my waist. The day I shaved my head, tears were streaming down my face. I swear I could have filled the ocean as I cried out salty waves. I swam through every bottle trying to drown out that bad taste. I was looking for myself, but I could not find a trace. Wearing scars like it was fashion, all wrapped up in gauzy lace. I was bleeding on the inside with a smile on my face. But I straightened out my crown and I got back in the race. And I'm here today to tell you we're full of miracles and grace. If there's one thing I could share though, I would tell you not to wait. Do it now and not tomorrow because we only have today. Today. Wow. Today. today. Wow, wow, wow. <sighs> I don't know, I get emotional reading that. I feel like, um, first of all, there's just so many beautiful pieces in here. Thank of art you. and I that uh I think that said everything that the book was meaning to say for me yeah um so I just thought it was really beautiful I think if you like poetry you got to pick up the show must go on thank you so that kind of like sums up my whole like if you had to pick one poem I think that poem kind of tells my whole story that's what I felt yeah I've read it several times. I get emotional the more I read it because I think I just feel how much pain, you know, you have had, have coming, going, and uh, I just can't imagine. And I can't imagine there's too many people that can comfort you, obviously, the way your mom can. Um, mm -hmm. or say what you need to hear to feel better. Um, but I don't want to go back to that because there's just so much more to you than, you know, what you're dealing with. So what are these bad relationships that you were in before? Like, what happened? 
Um, truthfully, it was only one. It was only one bad relationship. Um, uh, there, there was, no, that's a lie. There was two, but one of them was very short-lived. There was one short-lived relationship, um, with a firefighter. <laughs> I gotta be careful about how much He's like, I, I heard there's a fire here. I bought my hose. <laughs> there is a very, bow, 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 there is a very short-lived relationship with a firefighter. Um, he was cool for a minute, but then, you know, I don't know if it's like a thing with the FDNY, but like when they're not working, they drink a lot. It's like a bro code thing, but I would go out with him and like every time I would go out with him, it would be him and all the firefighters and they would all drink a lot. And this was when I was going through chemo the first time and I had lost all my hair and I was growing back like this weird little buzz cut. And I used to be very self-conscious the first time I went through chemo. Now I don't care. Now I don't wear the wig. But the first time I was, so I would always wear my wig and I just got tired of wearing it. So one night I said, you know what? I'm going to go out and not wear the wig. And he got really drunk, this guy. And he basically made a comment to me and he was like, you know, I like you better when you wear your wig. I like you better with the long hair. What a pussy, really? Yeah. What a dick. And then, and then like one of his friends made fun of me and was like, oh, do you know where I can get some Rogaine to grow my hair out? And that was just like the worst for me. And I, I just remember walking out and I never came back. I was like, that's the beginning and end of that. And what about the longer one? <clears throat> the longer relationship was two years and that was a way, way, way more intense relationship. Um, to this day, I don't know why it lasted as long as it did. Um, I, I met him in a very innocent setting. I've never done like the online dating or anything like this. I met this guy at a farmer's market. I was performing there and he approached me and it was very innocent and very sweet. Um, and then we started going out like right away. And he basically told me that he just wanted to be my friend and he wanted to be there for me. And he started coming to all my cancer treatments. And at the time my mom was working and my brother was not in the picture at all. And like my father is not in my life at all. So long story short, this guy was just there for me like all the time. And for the first three months, it was beautiful, like beyond beautiful. And I take you for the type of person, like when you go in on a relationship, like you go head in, like, you don't, like you don't fuck in. around. You're like, you're ready to go. I'm all in. Like that's the vibe I got off of you. Yeah. So it's three months, you're in love. I'm in love. Like yeah. I'm like, thinking this is the, the one let's get the juicy details in yeah you're attracted to him super he's in love you're in love yeah is he tall yeah he's tall he's tatted is he dark right tatted yeah. up yeah tatted up tatted up like the vibes were crazy okay and um yeah i mean i i thought like that was that was it it's also you would think initially we'll get into i want to get into the rest of this i would think initially like you got to be a real fucking man, in my opinion, to 
not only like get into a new relationship, but also be able to handle what yeah. you were going through. Like you have to be a real man. Not only that, you also have to leave yourself uh, incredibly vulnerable because you never know what direction things are going to go in. Exactly. You know, with your health, you know. So not only are you loving the shit out of someone, but you're also putting yourself in this vulnerable place where you're serving and giving this love to somebody you're incredibly in love with, but also giving yourself an opportunity to be deeply wounded for the rest of your life. Right. So in the beginning, he's a real man. Right. So when did he start becoming a bitch? <laughs> I love the way you express yourself. <laughs> I know. How did that all come together? <laughs> this is this is my personality. You know, I'm not going to change myself for anyone or anything. I never have. I never will. This is, if the mic wasn't here, this is exactly how we would be talking. So. Um, basically, um, there was a period, there was a period where my health started getting better. Mm-hmm. And during that time, my life is very extreme. Like there's no, like when I'm down, I'm really down. And then when I'm up, I'm really up. I'm the same way. So I... Lee might be too. <laughs> when I met him, I was really down. Like I was at the hospital all the time. He was there with me all the time. And then I hit this period after three months where, like, I'm not tooting my own horn. I just, like, I got invited to perform at the VMAs. I got invited to speak at the UN. I was, like, going up again. And he got so jealous. He got so threatened. And it all started one day where I was getting dressed to leave. And it was like, you look like an effing whore. What are you wearing? He was screaming at me. He was just, like... It was like a 180. And I I remember being the most shocked person in the world thinking like, whoa, is this guy just having a bad day? Is this like a one-off? Yeah. But then it happened again. And then it happened again. Now, were you then changing your clothes and suiting it to something he yeah. felt comfortable wearing? Because yeah. you were being loyal and respectful, yet he was being abusive and you were just trying to make him happy. Yes. So it was just that crazy cycle. Correct. Now, did it ever get abusive? Yes. Like, obviously, that's abuse, in so, my opinion. But it is. did it get physically abusive? Though? So, original, like, initially, it was all verbal. And then it started turning into other things. Then it started, and I was living with him at the time. Then it started turning into, like, I would come back from my events, and then it would be like, you cheated on me. I know you cheated on me. Give me your phone. Give me your phone. Give me your phone. So then he would start going through my phone. Then he would take my keys away from me. And so now it was like the screaming, the name calling, you're taking my phone, you're taking my keys. Meanwhile, you're a fragile person, not fragile like in a way you're going to fall over, but like you've gone through so much in your life, the last thing you need is this poison in your life. Right. And you know what's funny? You always hear this, like women and, and men, they always say, well, why didn't she leave? Why didn't she leave? They don't fucking get it. You know, like you were in love. You wanted to make this person happy because I'm sure when it was good, it was great. And when right. it was bad, it was terrible. Right. And so it was probably this vicious cycle of like you thinking, okay, maybe I could, you know, and it would be, be a little these, bit more conservative. It would be these blowouts, like really bad blowouts, followed by these super extreme apologies. Like, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. I right. didn't mean to do that. It's just that I love you and I don't want to lose you. And right. like, I felt like I was going insane. I literally felt like I was going insane, but it wasn't until like maybe a year in 
that that's when the physical stuff started happening. And then it was like a poke and then it was like a shove and then it was a push and then it was throwing me on the floor. And then next thing I know, like we're two years in and I just got a closed fist to the face. And that's when I was like, I, I had blood in my hair and I was like, that's it. Like it, it, that was the final straw. Holy shit. And I, I went home and my brother was there and my mom was there and my entire lip was split open and I was just trembling like a leaf. I was black and blue all over my arms and my mom and brother were... And you were like hiding all of this, right? I was hiding it. and But I was so... Like my PTSD was so bad, I couldn't stop shaking for like two days. And I was hiding in my room. I was literally hiding in my room. I canceled all my lessons and my mom and brother came in. They like pushed the door open and they were like, we have to go to the police. Like, this is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And I remember, this is the craziest part. I remember I was like, I don't, I don't want to go to the police. And they were just like, Liv, we have to go to the police. Like, this is not okay. And I, I just think back now how convoluted my mind was that I was still trying to like protect him and and that's that's the crazy thing when you love somebody it's like you there's a fine line between loyalty and hurting yourself yes so what would you say to someone that's in that position right now do you think there's do you think there's any kind of words you can give them to get through to them I would just tell them your life is more important than any love story um, that you think you might have. And, and that's not love. That's definitely not love. If somebody's hurting you, it's it's not love. And and truth be told, like, you know, I, I miss him all the time, but I don't miss that. Like, I don't miss, I don't miss the violence because Whatever good we had, it was undone constantly. Did he ever try to get help? No. So those deep apologies were just really empty apologies. So even if he fucked up and he was like, listen, I know I fucked up, but, and he, and let's say he took the initiative, okay? And he came to you and he's like, Liv, I fucked up and I love you. And there's something wrong with me that I hurt you. I went to therapy because I want to figure out why I'm behaving this way because I don't want to hurt the person I love the most in my life. Right. If he had done that and he was really willing to like work on himself and he would, you know, wasn't sick because people who do that, they're sick. Right. Um, do you think things could have been different? Possibly. Possibly. But you, you said it, you have to want to. Mm-hmm. That's the key word. Like you have to want to get better. Yeah. So do you and see then, yourself like, do you want to see yourself getting married with kids? Like what do you see for yourself? I definitely want to get married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I want to have children, um, but, but we'll see. You know, it depends. Like, kids for me is like a question also medically. I have to see where things go, but I, I definitely want a family. Does chemo or the type of medication you take affect that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That sucks. So, yeah. Yeah. But again, one day at a time. Yeah. I, I can't like project so far ahead because then I start getting like ah, stressed yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Well, how have your thoughts changed um, from before you had ever been 
you know, diagnosed before anything has ever happened to where your thoughts are today? Like, what would you say is the most different about you? Oh, wow. Like, what are your thoughts now compared to before? Um, that's a really, really good question. That's why I have a show. <laughs> what are my thoughts? Okay. Um, I cherish and I treasure my quiet time, like in a way that I never did before. I think when I was like pre-cancer, I used to just love being on the scene. I used to love being out and like, I was just, I was always out and I was always busy and I was always had to be doing, doing, doing. And post-cancer, I'm much more about being and I'm really comfortable with just being still and being quiet. I love my alone time. I love um, going out into nature. I love doing my little morning, like, meditation and um my workouts like I have to get in my own rhythm in the morning like I have a whole thing in the morning like I wake up I make my coffee I read my bible I meditate I pray I go to the gym I work out like it's probably like three or four hours in the morning before I ever talk to somebody yeah, that's cool. <laughs> like it's just I need I need a lot of like alone quiet time mm -hmm. um whereas before it was like I needed a lot of people around constantly but I have to be filled up before I can serve mm -hmm. and I love people so much like I love people and I love to serve and I love to give but it takes a lot of energy to do that and so to answer your question in a more succinct way I just I've gotten a lot better at protecting my energy whereas before I was just like pouring out all over the place and I didn't know how to protect right. that part of myself. Well, that's also our nature, you know, just as, you know, being a cancer, you're a cancer, Lisa cancer. Yeah. Can I tell you what I see? Yeah. In that question that I asked you, I know I don't know you well, but I have a pretty good uh, intuition on things. Yeah. I think that, sh that before whatever happened, that you're a feisty, feisty girl. <laughs> That's what I see. Okay. Okay. And what I see now is, for example, last night, later, you posted yourself dancing on the gram. Mm -hmm. And what I take from that, from when you were feisty, is someone who's incredibly centered, balanced, but more so, more than anything, what I got, the vibe I got when you were dancing and in that space, uh, was fearless. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt when I saw you dancing in on the gram. And that's what I feel now when I see you. And I think today, that's probably your biggest power. That you're being protected by the <laughs> most incredible thing in the world. So what's there to be scared about other than appreciate every moment and just be present and be in it and give your time and your love to people who deserve it most. Yeah. But I have a feeling that you still give your love to people who don't. Uh, I think some of us just, you know, we come from that nature until 
you know, you be, you know, sometimes people are like emotional vampires mm. and they just take too much. And that's what you mean when you're saying I need to like boost up before I get out. Yeah. Um, so I get that too. Yeah. I really do. I think that's really cool. Can so, I say something to you? Yeah. Okay. I just want to say that I know I don't know you that long or that well, but I think it's really incredible that you're so present and so proactive in your daughter's lives and in your wife's life. Um, you know, I come from a background where like my father was never there and never around and not to pull like the daddy card or anything like that. But I just, I know and I believe like with everything in me that had things have been different with like having a male figure around in my life and more present, I think like relationships would have been different for me. Um, so it's a huge blessing like for your girls, all of your girls. And I just think like the work you're doing is really, really amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Um. I hope that they understand that eventually, like on a deeper level. Yeah. That um, if one day I'm not here, that at least they're going to have this to listen to. They can hear my voice. They can hear me in a space where I'm authentic, where I'm comfortable, where I'm not guarded, where I'm not being fake because someone fake is in front of me. Um, and that I'm speaking from my heart. You know, my story was my father was there. He was um, he worked hard, he was very successful, came from another country. Um, the problem was, is the man just always worked all the time, 24-7. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love him. He's my best friend. Uh, but I think the things that that taught me, unfortunately, I know I think that my dad doesn't live with a lot of regrets. I think that's one of them, just not being around. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel bad for him for that, you know, because I think you can – accumulate all the money in the world and be as successful as you want. But if at the end of the day, you know, you don't have anyone there to share it with, to be around, to enjoy it, then what the fuck was the point of all of it, you right. know? So I think the pain from that is what makes me take being a father so serious. I bet if you talk to my daughters, they're probably like, my dad's around too much. Get him the fuck away from me. <laughs> you know what I mean? But... um. I love my girls. Yeah. I love them. I, I would have five more girls if my wife was down. She's not down. Yeah. Uh, when we got together, I said, baby, give me four kids. She's like, fuck that. I'll give you three. Yeah. Um, I negotiated three kids. We had two. <laughs> and then she's like, close the shop. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm grateful because I have two healthy, beautiful girls. Um, they both look like my wife in different ways. Uh, and really... I attribute my kids' happiness because I'm, I like you, like when I'm down, I'm really down, and when I'm up, I'm really up. Mm -hmm. um, my girls, they're happy because of my wife. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife doesn't give herself enough credit, but my family, my kids, they smile, they're happy, they laugh because of my wife. I don't even know if my kids even know that. I don't know if my wife knows that, but I tell her all the time, like, we have a good family because of you, not because of me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my father was in a position where, you know, he could give me whatever I needed and could say no because he could and because he wanted to or right. didn't want to. Um, so there are some sacrifices that are made to be a father that's there on time. For example, like, 
I don't make all the money in the world. So if my girls need something that I can't give them, which I haven't gotten to that point yet, I've gotten close to that point, like I make sure that I do whatever I have to do to give them what they need. Mm -hmm. And there's been times that have been incredibly hard for me to be able to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, I've gotten emotional, like by myself, like why the fuck haven't I done more with my life, like in in those type of places Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to them. But I would never say no to them if I could. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're my girls. I, I want to give them everything. I don't give a shit if they're spoiled or if they feel entitled. Those are my girls. Mm-hmm. And whoever's going to be with them is going to have to treat them as such. Right. Uh, otherwise, they're going to have big fucking problems. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So there's that. You know what I'm saying, Lee? What are you thinking? Oh, yeah. What are you yeah, thinking right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In your nasty <laughs> podcast shirt. <laughs> in your red headphones. My first nasty podcast. Awesome, man. Man, we've, yeah. sat, through, we've sat through many. Yeah. But this is the first time you're mic'd up. That I'm, that I'm saying anything, yes. Yeah, but I refuse to move forward without you mic'd up. You know what he said to me? He goes, I asked him, I said, would you mind mic'ing up? You know, for now on, he's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "I'll be your wingman." I was like, <laughs> "I'm like, yeah. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, yo, man, you got to twist it. I'm your wingman, you know? Like, <laughs> this man wears so many hats. He knows a thing or two about a thing or two. He knows a little something about a little something. But yeah. you know, there's really beautiful essence about him is that he really just operates from his heart. And you know, he's a good man because all you got to do is look at his girl Kathy. She's always fucking smiling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is true. But you want to know something though? I know that we have a a secret inside, you know, that we've been working on with Olivia that she might want to talk about a little bit, which is an audio book. What about that? Oh, yes. The audio book. The audio book is a project very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. We've been working on it um, for the past year, actually. And it's going to be your beautiful voice? Yes. She. Yes. Um, it's going to be my voice, and we have a lot of uh, really, really cool backtracks there's going to be instrumentals we have some keys we have some saxophone we have some cool like lo-fi tracks so there's lots of really beautiful stuff damn i'm juiced up right now sexy phone yeah sexy phone yeah yeah that's beautiful thank you um you know i just want to say to my audience out here i don't know what you're going through uh, you know, you might be having some issues right now. You might be going through some hard times. I know the last two years with COVID, Delta, Omicron, all this fucking bullshit we hear about, all this noise that's coming out every day. It's not easy. And uh, it's taken a lot of us down to our knees in different ways. I just want you to know that everything's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You know what my dad always says to me? He says to me, he always says to me, <laughs> he's got this funny thing he goes he goes you know you're okay I'm like yeah he goes you know why you're okay I'm like why is it because you're alright <laughs> but I just want you guys to know that you're alright I want you to know that you're not here alone uh, ever and uh, you know we all have feelings we all go through stuff and it's okay to be honest with yourself and it's okay not to be perfect and it's okay to hurt it's okay to cry it's okay to laugh it's okay to not be the richest guy in the room it's okay to not be the most beautiful girl in the room it could it's okay if your body isn't looking like someone else's body that you want it to look like the most important thing is that you love yourself um and you're kind to yourself and treat yourself the way you would treat somebody you would love i have a big challenge with that and i'm working on it like crazy um i've meditated every day 
for over a year now, and it's made a tremendous difference in my life. Um, I too like the stillness. Uh, but having said that, if people want to get with you, live, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at Olivia Dance One, and also on my website at www.oliviavlivestrong.com. Oh, I like the strong part. Listen, <laughs> um, I had a really good time with you today. You and as well. I'm so happy that I met you. I really just think you're just a beautiful soul. Thank I think you. you have a really good heart. I think that you're very kind and compassionate, loving, empathetic, grateful, thankful, dedicated. Uh, I really think you have a deep belief in yourself, and I think you're going to do really special things. And uh, I just feel very lucky and honored that you made time, that you came here, and that I could sit here with you and have a conversation with you. I just want to, you know, hug you all the time, <laughs> and uh, I want you to know that everything's going to be okay, and I want you to know that I believe that, you know, people are born out of love, and I believe that they're here for love, and I definitely see the right man for you in your future. And I definitely see children that are going to have your eyes and look at you. You'll be holding them one day and you won't even believe it. And it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And then it gets really fucking annoying because they start talking. <laughs> but you'll get over that. It's a different kind of love. And uh, I wish that for you. And uh, I hope all of those beautiful things happen for you. Uh, you're a good person. You're a good soul. And you're a fighter. And you're a winner. And uh, that's why you're here. Because I only talk to winners. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for coming here. Lee, it's good having you here. Where can the people follow you? Always, my man, Jambox Entertainment. Just look it up, Jambox Entertainment or Lee Evans. Easy to find. All right, guys, that's going to be a wrap. I'll see you in the next one. See you next time. All right, time. we out. <laughs>